Today on our show. <laughs> We're counting down the worst eight films released in the last eight years, i.e. since the podcast recorded. It's part three of the Eight All the Arses special, commemorating eight years of the countdown. Let's go. Welcome to episode 424 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. <laughs> and you might be wondering what the hell's going on, apart yeah. from the fact this podcast is about countdown stuff in order of horsemen, so you don't have to. Yeah, today, uh, if, you're, if you're wondering why I sound like a golden girl, it's because <laughs> I've been sicker than a whore all week. And Paul himself has had COVID. I did. This last week as well. Right yeah. after the last week's recording, he's like, dude, I'm positive. I'm like, I'm just fucked. Wayne's like... <laughs> no, not so much. So you might think that Wayne's had COVID based on the way he sounds now. No. But I've, no. I've had standard flu, but then somehow it was fine-ish for a week and I was fighting it off and then and then it affected my throat. And then I, for, for the whole weekend, I had no voice. Me. Okay? Yeah. And it recovered <laughs> to this shitty level right here. We were just, just enough to do this week's episode of the podcast. So it may not quite be the same lengthy diatribe about some of the things that we go into, at least from Wayne's perspective. I might yeah. have to pick up some of the slack here today. Yeah. You, have to, <laughs> you have to bring it home, Polly. But you know what? It's weird though, right? I only have low register. If I try and go high, it disappears. So low, low, low. There, it's just, it disappears. <laughs> so I can only talk like Batman the whole episode. Or Steven Seagal. <laughs> no, Batman. <laughs> I am the knight. See, that's fine. Use it to pick well, up you know what? I can always have the, the soundboard speak for you. So No, no one deserves <laughs> that. So, uh, yeah. So, right. so if you pick up a different vibe, that's what it is. I am not quite recovered. I've got no taste, really. But that really, what's new? <laughs> okay, so uh, that joke no, was no. made today at work as yeah, well. Yeah, I by see. Someone. And I'm so slow. It took me a second. That's all <laughs> fucked up. I am. But uh, you know, n- now you're seeing us very vulnerable, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, that can be attractive. Well, what better time to count down the worst <laughs> eight films that we've done in the eight years of this podcast, which is today's topic? It's pretty straightforward. I went for just big releases. I went for films that made the cinema or were big streaming sort of drops. Me too. You will have heard of all of them. Rather than, you know, some piece of shit little horror films of like which every single it one. could be yeah. very easily filled my list with those. So that's it. That's the parameters. Let's not mess around today to see whether or not we can get to the end of this hour with Wayne's voice intact. And we'll kick it off as we do most every week with a segment that we call The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? Oh shit! Um, <laughs> <laughs> the recount is our mailroom, Polly. What's up? Well, last week, two weeks ago, in fact, for episode four twenty-two, we the first part of eight all the asses celebration. We did the list of the worst eight television shows we sat mm. through, and to your ire, I stuck Game of Thrones on there, and apparently the populace agrees with ah. you because from the forty-five votes received for that. 32 of them were in your favour, Wayne, and 13 only were for me. So, cross that uh, wonderful <laughs> 10 ma- vote marker. Uh, Josh Raglan was one of the people who voted for me. He said, I'd be mad. I'd, I'd like to be mad at Paul for having Walking Dead so high, but that show went in the toilet long ago. Vote for Paul. Mina Harkis said, I feel like you both missed the brief for vari- to varying degrees. Vote for Wayne, because he's a card carrying member of the Wayne voting block. <laughs> uh, Grant Lanham said, uh, Paul missed the brief so much he was freeballing. <laughs> But no one was more upset than your cousin, Ash Brock, oh. who was very, very, very angry when he wrote somewhere on our Facebook page, <laughs> whinging about me going by season rather than by whole show. I'm telling you. So I'm telling you. Yeah, there we go. And even Cameron Petty said, usually it's Wayne missing the brief, but surprise, surprise, Paul might be laugh picking partial seasons. And that there scenario would have gone with those last couple of X-Files ah. seasons, even though it was my favorite show back in the 90s. However, and despite this, I still pick Paul as Willow and Rings of the Power were two of the biggest disappointments in TV viewing I can remember. But as you can tell, the vast majority of people were for you, including Troy Spinner. While season eight did suck, Game of Thrones was absolutely must-see TV for the seven preceding seasons. It dropped the ball, but to call it the second worst show of the last eight years is ludicrous and deserves an obligatory Cersei shame gift. Shame, Paul. Shame. A bit of justice. Fantastic. So there you are. You can uh, (laughs) rest on your laurels on that one. And uh, thanks to everyone who got back to us for that particular vote. You can vote in the Facebook community. Links in the show notes week in and week out. And uh, that's it. Let's get into it then. On the other side of this, no, not music cue on this promo. 
because this is the last week. Mm. As of time of this dropping to the main feed, the same very night I will be appearing on live stream for the cure myself. Friday night, 1 a.m. Australian Western Standard Time, 1 p.m. Friday afternoon American Time, doing a countdown trivia quiz for Nick, Dan, and Gerald, who run live stream for the cure. Nice. I'm trying to raise a bit of money there. But the piece de resistance is when Wayne and I appear together to close out Livestream for the Cure for the second year in a row. Mm. And this is going to be on Sunday, the 21st of May, Australian time, at 10 a.m. Western Standard Time, so midday for you over there in the Eastern States. American time, it's 10 p.m. on Saturday, the 20th of May. So we want to get as many of you in as we possibly can to bring home this one in a big way, trying to raise 25,000 US dollars, approximately 3.6 trillion Australian dollars exactly. for the fight against cancer, which once again organised by Nicholas from Nikolai's Kitchen. He's the man. Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast and Dan from Netflix and Swill. Amen. And uh, go over to the Facebook community where there is now a post up there where you can nominate films for us to watch as we raise enough money. Wayne and I are going to torture ourselves watching films you nominate for us to watch that are massive pieces of shit that we will both hate. For example, Les Miserables has been nominated for me and for Wayne, Terrifier, which is hilarious if you've seen that particular film. Piece of shit. (laughs) So that was with thanks to Troy for that one as well. So get get involved, get on board, come along, watch us do the stream. Would you rather questions for the panel and everyone's going to get to play along there as well with a big prize pack up for grabs. We're going to announce what that is on the day, so you want to be part of that as well. Nice. All right, then let's uh, hear from Nicholas himself, and then we'll be back on the other side of that with this week's countdown. Together, we can make a difference. That's been the sign-off for everything Livestream for the Cure related ever since the event began back in 2017. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I am the host of the Livestream for the Cure an annual charity event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for immunotherapy research for a world immune to cancer. And over the past six years, we've made that difference together. Amazing listeners, amazing viewers, amazing podcast partners and content creators all coming together, and we've raised over $70,000. But this year, we're going to make our biggest difference to date, and we're going to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Tune into the event at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure starting May 18th as we're joined again by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to help the Cancer Research Institute crush cancer. Together, we will make a difference. The worst eight films of the last eight years. Eight, all the asses, part three is what oh, we yeah. got for you this week. And Wayne, as you can tell, he's saving his voice. But <laughs> I am so doing that. It's time for him to use a bit of it when he gives us his eighth worst film. Wayne, take us away. Alrighty. Now, let's just say that I forgot that the, we only do eight here and I put ten in here. Again. So let's start again at number... <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wayne okay. doing 20% more work even when he doesn't have to. You know, it's, that's, just a, that's, that's the price of being me, essentially. My number eight is Six Underground. Wow. Yeah, that is a horrendous piece of shit. I don't know if anyone remembers this one, but this was the one that Ryan Reynolds was in, along with Dave Franco and other people. And it was a Jerry Bruckheimer film, which Paul said, hey man, Jerry Bruckheimer, sorry, Jerry Bruckheimer. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. (laughs) Michael Bay film. And he's like, you know, yo, dude, you know, you're going to come in your pants. Michael Bay's doing an action film with Ryan Reynolds. This should be the best thing ever. Mm. It was not. Yeah. It was a. This is what really. You know what? Transformers didn't make me hate Michael Bay as much as this did. Because it was about a bunch of crackers. And. Well, some, most of them are crackers. And they're. You know, Ryan Reynolds is an ex billionaire or some shit, fakes his own death with this really expensive Red Bull kind of sponsorship That's right. thing. Yeah. And then, he, then they go around the world saving the world because they're operatives. And each of these people are something. One's a car driver. One's a hacker. One's a parkour guy. One is your mother's snatch. And, <laughs> you know, it's like the problem with the film is that it's so bay, bayhemy, bayhem, that he fills every frame with as much information as possible. And it becomes tiring within 10 seconds. And it keeps on going and keeps on going. And... As if, you know what, I could handle that if it was a good story, but everything sucked. All of the shit that went through it, all the jokes bombed, every inch of every frame was a piece of shit, and one of the one of the supposed heroes was just an asshole. And I'm like, you're, you're just an asshole. 
Like, why why would I like you? So, yeah. It, was, it certainly was wasn't a good film. I'm not going to defend it, but I am surprised it gets this high. Here's what it is. It was so expensive and it felt so mm. cheap. You know what I mean? I find Michael Bay's a better filmmaker when he, he really tones it down. So I didn't mind Ambulance. And I quite I would liked, agree. That movie was a hundred times better than And this Pain and Gain wasn't bad. But the, his best film, I think, is... Uh, the Rock. Well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> way back in the day, The Rock. But... Uh, in modern day era, they uh, that thirteen days. Yeah, that was a good show. That the, yeah, one with, the um, Benghazi one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually you're right, quite good. I don't know what the deal Jim is. from the Office. That's right. Yeah, Mr. No. Emily Blunt. That's the guy. No, no, yeah, that one wasn't bad. So there you go. This is just the worst thing he's done in years. Yeah, all right. So there we are. Six Underground gets the first serve. I, I'm going to stick with the ridiculously over the top action fucking films for. My number eight, and this is this film incensed me, and it's not the last time we're going to hear of one of the, the lead actors in it. It's also very timely in that we are less than 24 hours away from seeing Fast X because this is the spin-off <laughs> film. Fast and Furious colon, sorry, Fast and Furious presents colon Hobbs and fucking Shaw. That's my number seven. Oh, there you are. All right, let's go. Oh, my God. Did this film need to be 137 minutes long? It's the worst thing ever. Did it need to have... This is, I reckon, 2019. This is the moment for me where The Rock stopped being anything even remotely fucking watchable and started to be just this tired fucking cliche of himself. Absolutely. I know there was all that like stuff around why he, you know, him, he, he left the Fast franchise or the main Fast franchise because he hates Vin Diesel. And Vin Diesel does sound like a dick, whatever, you know. But um, this thing, he wants to leave and then do this thing. What a piece of shit. Yeah, well, it was all, he had that massive falling out him and Vin, he said, I can't work with Vin Diesel anymore. So they spun him off into this and then stuck fucking, uh, he's Hobbs, right? So stuck Shaw in with him. That was, you know, look, that scene when they were in the, they were in somehow dual hallways and you can see each other fighting their way through hallway. Yes. That was kind of an all right scene in this movie. It doesn't make up for the rest of the movie though. It was shit. This whole franchise is about a big group of people who come to believe that they are each other's family, right? Family. So... To spin off a series that just exists in the same world with these two characters, one of whom still does and can put up with Vin Diesel. So Jason Statham is in Fast X mm-hmm. when it's about to open. But The Rock will be nowhere to be seen because he just won't do that anymore. And just to make it about this fucking they buddy cop, but unlike the good shit of, if we go back to the lethal weapons of the world and things yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. they just hate each other and they never really come together and oh, there's a begrudging respect and fucking Idris Elba being... You know, Black Superman. And, that was... That was oh, and he's obviously far better than these two idiots are in this movie. The action sucks. <laughs> the dialogue is awful. It's just not funny. It's painful. And then to make it go for 137 minutes, the film could have wrapped up, but yet no. The Rock wanted to have a fucking holiday in his home, in his... I don't know where he's, half his family actually is from. Yeah. So off they fuck there for a completely unnecessary scene, which has him holding a helicopter at bay with his pecs. Dude, that... And biceps. In in that scene, there's actually a, a shot of, like, Idris Elba reacting from the helicopter. Going, what? You know, and they just let that in there. So it's like, no, no, he, he can just hold helicopter. Like, forget that. What about the fucking cars being chained up and fucking falling off the fucking... What was that shit? Oh, but even if you forget all of that shit, I remember when this came out and we reviewed it. I did, like, a big promo poster of you and me doing quotes like, this movie sucks, fat cars. <laughs> Man, the amount of fucking comments, people were like, what's the problem? I thought that was great. And I'm like, you people suck. This wasn't our listeners. This was like, this is out wide. Like, people were like, I thought it was great, man. And people so- have this glaring blind spot for the Fast franchise. It is straight trash. Yeah, but what when is When we watch it, and the ninth one was pretty average as well. It's still better than this piece of shit. Yep. The eighth one I had a genuinely good time with. Likewise, the seventh. I don't know how you can remember so which one. so stupid. They are so, so dumb. My worry is that this one's going to veer further down the path of ridiculousness. And, like, you know, I don't know how you get more ridiculous than flying, you know, duct taping a car to go into space. That that itself was supposed to be, like, the, the, the coup de grace of shitness, but then that was number fucking eight. Do you know what I heard? Tonight. And we can talk revisit this when we review Fast X over the weekend coming. I heard that this that was meant to be the first part, like, it's like a du- part one, part two, finished. But now Vin Diesel's saying, oh, it's actually part one of three. Right, so it's part What the X. fuck? Th- I was just going to bring that up. So now, the next one that comes out, next week, tomorrow, whatever. So there's that one and another two after that. Yeah. Well, I just I read that one thing. I didn't follow it up. I thought I'd wait till I've seen the film and then decide. But You won't know until the end of number two. So. 
well, no, it, obviously the production will be in in spades and motion because these things are just back to back to back to back to back in effect. So, anyway, this film fucking sucks. Hobson Shaw is a piece of shit. I don't mm. understand anyone who defends it other than the fact that they're so blinded by anything that's got Fast and Furious in front of it. They just love it automatically. So, yeah. Glad it's on your list too at your number seven. Which means we're back to you, thankfully, for my voice. Let's not get off the rock because the rock won't get the fuck off us. Uh Uh-oh. Stop appearing in everything, rock. We're done. We've had enough. You thought you could single-handedly release or save the fucking DCEU and all you did was hasten it into an early grave and Uh now now we're moving over to James Gunn. No, I'm not actually picking Black Adam. Oh. Because that film's bad, but it ain't fucking Baywatch bad. Do we all remember oh, how much come on. I fucking hated Baywatch? Baywatch is better than Black Adam. <laughs> uh, no. No. Uh, apart from the very opening scene of that film, which was genuinely funny, where, you know, jumps in to rescue a surfer and yeah, yeah. all the rest of that shit. Oh, my God. This is so painfully unfunny. And it's so fucking stupid, this movie. I was aghast as we sat there watching it simulcast with Sydney and fucking Melbourne and Newley. Remember yeah, that? they piped in a live feed of the actual actors in Sydney and stuff. And The, and the Rock even like gave us a, an address um, and he started with Hawaii motherfuckers <laughs> like that. It was pretty funny. But that was the funniest part of it. Hang on, wait. No, I didn't hate this film. I didn't hate this film. Fair enough. Paul, I didn't like, hate Six Underground. Really? Yeah. Man, this one at least, I don't know, it's comedy so it's a little bit closer to my heart. No, not all the gags worked, but... <laughs> Just it, about none of them worked. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, it was... This film didn't know what it wanted to be. So it's got to be a bringing to the big screen version of the classic TV show. But then it decided to almost be mockingly crude and self-referential around it So for fans of the show. That's fine. But then it wasn't funny enough. But then it wanted to be this police procedural where it's going, ooh, here's a little bit of a mystery, which was fucking dumb. You know, I and it just kept fun. veering between these lanes. And these two writers who are credited, Damien Shannon and Mark Swift, whew, household names, those two, <laughs> they've certainly risen to the occasion with this particular film. It's meant to be a comedy. It's not funny. It's got penis gags and breast jokes and fucking, and oh my God, and none of it leads to a sensible chuckle, let alone an out loud guffaw. So fuck this film. You know what got me is that there was so much production around this. Because like, what's his name? Zach Thingo. Efron. He went and got so ripped, and that became like the focal point of the promotion of the movies. Like, look at this guy, look at his body, which is amazing. But it's only this little comedy that it did. I suppose the rock in it and everything. It's, made it it's weird to me because then it had Alexandria Daddario. Yeah, I think that might have been the thing that sent the, <laughs> the things. The things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this film, like, it's R rated because there's lots of fucking shit and, you know, bad cuss language, but yet it stopped short of showing any real nudity. It just was like, here's Zach Efron's abs and here's the rock's fucking pecs. Exactly, and, and that doesn't count. And here's the snowy mounds of, in between the bathers, which is strategically pulled down for Alexandra Daddario. But they don't show anything nudity. Like, why wouldn't you go hardcore with this then? Most definitely. And in fact, the last R-rated comedy that did it right was Role Models with Vince Vaughn and, and Wow!, and that was like titties everywhere, right, but yep. it worked for the story. That so, hard R sort of raunchy comedy is kind of gone almost now. No, no, because it's really hard. Because it's Me Too culture, Paul. You can't show titties and laugh at them now. So, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, very, very good point. And uh, let's not forget, before we do, the awful CGI, which stands out on that big screen so badly. Larger than Ronnie's inappropriate boner in that film. Yeah, um, it's just... It wanted to be Jump Street. It's so fucking disappointing. That's why Baywatch is here at true, my number seven. True, Nothing's as good as Jump Street. Um, okay, well, my number six is uh, a movie that disappointed me so much that I uh, I looked at my life. It was... Um, <laughs> Made you re-examine whether or not we should do this podcast. I didn't know what I should do with my life. It was coming to America. Oh, that's right. You hated this film. Bro. After all of the shit they talked about it, because coming to the original Coming to America was like this amazing... One of Eddie Murphy's amazing films, right? Yep. Then they go and do this thing, they talk about it, and they bring every single cast member back, despite how much weight they put on. And <laughs> and it goes, all, and you, it should have been amazing, but they clearly had about 20 bucks to make the film, and it really looked like it. And everything, and the worst thing, Paul, is they PG'd this shit out of it. All of the gags they could have made before about, you know, like all they did, and all the fucking sex gags, and all the, none of that's in here because it's PG'd. Shit idea. Everything looks cheaper. Like, it looks cheaper. The palace looks like a house. Uh, the best thing about it was Wesley Snipes. Yes. And 
But even that was a bit part. I don't even know what exactly. Like, it was, none of it made sense because he was a warlord who the king was scared of. I'm like, why don't you have a fucking army king? Why are you pissed off? But, you know, this is, it was a very shitty, shitty, bad, crappy. There was some meta references to the sequels, which I guess worked. But then they made it some girl power shit where Prince Akeem is no longer this, like, good well, that's guy. That's right. That's the hardest thing to buy about the whole film. It was it. a bad right. It was just like, all of a sudden, he's, like, he's, you know, kind of chauvinistic. Yeah, 35 like, years ago, he was he was all for women's power and, and everyone's equal and, you know, he was a new the age. Exactly. And then he's he's become what he beheld 35 years later. Yeah. Like, he, he, he was just now... Doing things by tradition because he's the king. It and you know what? No sense. Because they didn't have enough, they couldn't make enough rude jokes. So they had to write this other shit in there. And he obviously greenlit it. And there you go. So it was a piece of shit. Uh, coming to America was a bag of dicks. Yeah, look, it's not a good film. I agree. I understand where it's coming from, especially if you're such a fan. I did debate whether we should divide this list into the worst eight films and the eight most disappointing because that might have teased out some of this. Because I think we're talking about the films that hurt us. I reckon even if you hadn't seen Coming to America before, you'd go, what the fuck's this? Uh, no, but I'm sorry, but you were so excited by this because it's, like you True, said, but it's that's a part sequel of it, to... That's part of it. There's a yeah. reason we have expectations. Whereas my number six, I was not excited about it at all. I knew I was going to dislike it, and boy, was I not wrong. Because I don't like Darren Aronofsky as a filmmaker. I think he's a pretentious, stuck-up, piece-of-shit Twitter Archie. Oh, we know what you feel about and Daz. he just cannot help but think he's smarter than everyone else in the room and wants to try and paint it. And the worst example of all his excesses is Mother! There it is. Fuck there this movie. There it is. Oh, God. Look, an allegorical film can be great. You know, when it's done right and it's pitched at like there's an allegory and it's hitting that and maybe not even in, the, in really obvious kind of ways, but dear God, this film wants to go for multiple allegories at once. It's not enough that it's Mother Earth. Hey, oh, she's all confused. What's being done to her? Fuck off, Aronofsky. No one cares. No, what you're pissed about is that the writer is God. Uh, yes. and the... I.e. Aaron, Darren Aronofsky. Yes. Again, refer- referencing his own creative struggles. Because what a wanker. No one cares, Darren. <laughs> no one fucking cares. And then the worst thing about this film is, and again comes back, I guess, to some level, maybe actually now I think about disappointment. People were selling this as a psychological horror. What's fucking horrific about this movie? Apart the ending, from how Paul. fucking painful it is to watch. No, that ending is pretty fucked Oh, up. God, it sucked. Every moment of this film was like fucking having sandpaper rubbed down the side of your face see this is one of the weird times where i looked at this film and i'm like i see what he's doing here i'm less incensed than paul because i'm like that's what he's doing and the horror and i do believe it was horror in this film right was like so jarring that for one reason or another i don't say it worked but it is like i was like okay well that is a memorable experience all these films are memorable that are the worst eight films that I've seen in the last eight years. Let me close with my thoughts on Mother with a line from the review that I wrote back six years ago, almost six, five and a half years ago. And when the director wants to make it work on multiple allegorical levels, including one which references his own creative struggles, again at the expense of anything approaching a cohesive story, it seems less like clever filmmaking to me and more like gentleman's relish flung at the screen. (laughs) That is exactly... How I feel about this film. Is Gentleman's Relish come? Yes. I see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's my number six. Mother! Alrighty, well, my number five is the probably worst comedy I've ever seen. Ooh. Holmes and Watson. Oh, that film fucking sucks. Wow. Will Ferrell, supposedly a veteran. John C. Riley. You could argue similarly so. Those two have had made a bit of a sub-career by appearing in each other's films. Yeah. And honestly, I, I was like, I don't understand how this got made. Like, literally, the, apart from those two, Hugh Laurie, Steve Coogan, Rafe Fiennes, Billy Zane. Steve Coogan's gone on Billy record. Zane. Billy Zane. Well, you know, he's, he was in Zoolander. Um, so Steve Coogan's gone on record saying this film's a piece of shit. And, I, and if you watch it, you can, it fails on every single level. Yeah. It's almost like, if you, if you like, it's, it's almost lazy, the writing. But then you're like, but then how do they get these people together? And then just like, apparently they knew, the screeners were like appalling. Sony knew it was a piece of shit. 
They, they tried dumped to, it out um, right around Christmas from me. Well, they tried to sell it to Netflix, and Netflix went, get fucked. <laughs> and this was back when, when... Netflix turns you down. When, when back when Netflix was, like, buying everything, and they just went, fuck that shit. So, like, it is absolutely, like, the worst thing... I remember just going to myself, I, I feel dirty having watched this now, and... It's, it's not even that it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's just like they just went, uh, it's fucked. Just keep going, everyone. We'll cut something and walk away. So it's it's actually atrociously horrendous. This might have been the film. The only good service it did is it convinced the world that we don't need to see Will Ferrell in every fucking third film. Because for a while there, he was such hot property. He was in everything. He'd bob up in everything. He was always the bit character who'd yeah, walk on and do a little that's bit. That's true. That's true. And it just it was so over fucking saturated with Will Ferrell and his Anchorman style of sort of irreverent humor. Anchorman's a great film. It's very funny. Well Even done. Talladega Nights. I really like that one too. No, he's done good shit. People really like Step Brothers, these two together. I don't like that one, but I know that's got a big following. So he was really hot there for a long period of time. Blades of Glory. Um, Blades of Glory, sorry. Yeah. And then we get to this sort of level. And I don't think he's made a good film in a lot of years. I would say at least six or seven years since Will Ferrell's actually churned out something decent. Now that you mention it, I can't seem to think of one. Maybe even one year in the life of the podcast. So I'm glad. I'm glad he's gone away now and he's nowhere near as, as sacrosanct or as ubiquitous as he became. But it's still too much Will Ferrell. And I'm, I'm glad he's made his millions and I'm glad he can just go and enjoy that shit and we can just have a world without him everywhere. old school the last movie I, I that's saw. a long way back that's almost 20 years ago yeah wasn't it? yeah so there you go wow all right like a shitty comedy that's not funny the mm. only thing arguably just as bad but for you worse is a shitty horror that's not frightening scary disturbing or gory it's just shit okay let's hear it. three of my top five films are blumhouse films and here is the first of them when i say top five i mean worst five films that i've watched Cementing Blumhouse's place in the love-hate relationship that I have with the films that come out of his studio. Because they do the occasional good one. Well, yeah, there's been some really good ones along the way. And I'm struggling to think of any of them off the top of my head right now. But That Nazi one wasn't bad with Kurt Russell's son in it. Overlord? Yeah. I don't think that was Blumhouse. Oh, would it? Okay. Mm. Well, then maybe not. But they've, they absolutely have. They've done yeah, yeah, some... Yeah, yeah. some I just can't think of any off the top. Oh, Lighthouse and Hereditary, was Hereditary Blumhouse? Can't remember. Did they do the Lighthouse? Yeah, pretty sure. Wow. Okay. The, wit, the wow. People like the Vivich, me not so much. And uh, don't think they did Northman, which I really did enjoy. But this one is from back 2015. So right around when the podcast started, this one came out. And it sold me on the basis of one brilliant shot which is by far the best thing of the whole film which they use to sort of bookend or end the trailer mm. which is this this girl with red lighting really black it was just red sort of diffuse lighting and she's crying like terrified hunched over holding her knees yeah and there's even the, the image of on the poster and then from out of the darkness behind her just glides this dark shape slowly coming into view eerie and it's not walking it's gliding so yeah. it's a, a spirit or a ghost of some description okay wonderful that's it that's, it. that's the only good thing about this entire fucking film which basically follows 20 years after horrific accident during a, a small town school play students at the school resurrect the have you said the name it's called the gallows got it uh resurrect this failed show in an attempt to honor the tragedy and in so doing summon whatever this spirit is back and it, it's a found footage film. So they're holding the camera the whole time. So it just degenerates into this whole shaking things and can't see anything because it's cheap and easy to get away with. Sounds like every shitty horror to me. But yeah, okay. It's so bad, Wayne. <laughs> it is so, so bad. This was not just on mine, but also on Sam Hurley's when we did the worst 10 films of the 2010, 10, worst 10 horror films. This is very high on both of our lists, if not even my number one. This film fucking blows. The Gallows. The Gallows. Do yeah. not see it. They did even made it, managed to get a sequel out of it, again, through Blumhouse, which is maybe not quite as bad, actually, because at least this one is told traditionally, so you can see what the fuck's going on, but it still fucking sucks. <laughs> and you saw it. I did. <laughs> I did, because I'm an idiot. There you go. All right, what do you got for number four? My number four is The Snowman. <laughs> Do you remember? Fassbender. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Now, this is actually from a Norwegian detective, a character named Harry Hall. That's his actual name. This, I think what happened here, because there's a bit part for Val Kilmer in it. You can't, almost can't recognize him because he's going through his stuff. And the film itself looks like they didn't finish it. That's how bad it is. It's literally half a film. 
I was so bored watching this movie. I was doing three because it things. didn't make sense, Paul. Like yeah. you're thinking, what the fuck is going on here? It was like infamously shit house. Honestly, I remember going. I'm actually struggling. I had to go look up a, a, a sort of a synopsis of it, and I'm like, I don't remember any of this because it's so amazingly forgetful. Set in the snow because Norwegian this and that, whatever. But like, it's unholy in in its disappointment because like Michael Fassbender. And yeah, okay, Val Kilmer, and it's supposed to be a mystery. I, I like detective stories. This one, it just turned to shit. It's fast been they kind of dropped off the face of the earth the last few years. Yeah, I haven't seen Professor X. I mean, what's his name? Um, Magneto. Magneto in a while. Yeah. Or Dark Phoenix was the last one of those films, and that was, what, three, four years ago? Has there been any, anything since? I have since? not heard of him in anything else. Good hmm. point. Hmm. Hmm, maybe, well, this wasn't the thing that killed it, but it could have been. So, yeah, The Snowman. If I remembered more, I'd talk to you more about it. But for real, it is like, if you've, if you've come across it, just don't do it. This is not worth your time. Because no one even finished it. It's not finished. It does have a resolution from vague memory. Yeah, but like, it's almost as though they just cut to it. Like, it was so shit. It was horrendous. I'm not defending it in any stretch yeah. of the imagination. I just remember being so painfully bored. I just started doing other things, looking at my phone, fucking folding, washing. Holy um, shit. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. All right, my next one, also a... No, this one is not a Blumhouse film. I take it back. This is probably the worst action film Ooh. that we've covered in the entirety of this podcast. I and mentioned again, Six Underground, but all right, nope, go on. <laughs> nope, a film which is even worse than Hobbs and Shaw, which at least has a little bit of Jason Statham and at least has a bit of a budget behind it and mildly competent director of action, David Leach. This film mm. has a shit director, Peter Berg, Oh, and okay. a really terrible lead, Mark Wahlberg, playing this genius fucking level character who's such a genius. He spends time doing a jigsaw puzzle that's all white. Oh, my mind is falling out of my ear. It's, Wait, what is this? It's Mile 22. Oh, yeah, the one that I kind of liked. Oh, was, fuck uh, this movie. It is edited with an inch of its absolute life. I kind of remember this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically follows Mark Wahlberg's the head of, he's an asshole because he's on the spectrum and he's a genius and he's just a complete nut a prick, head of this team who are basically employed to get this political prisoner, Aiko Uwais, so yep, the yep. star of The Raid mm -hmm, and The Raid mm -hmm. 2, to get from A to B because he's going to turn against whatever he's, that kind of thing. Yep. And <laughs> then the film will proceed to edit Ico Uwais, who if you've seen those two films and you've seen The Night Comes for Us, this is a man who can move like a martial artist. Yeah, he yeah. has yeah. absolute skills. He's one of the best going around the business now. You know, he might not be Jackie Chan or Jet, Jet Li levels from but who 20, is? 30 years ago, but in this current crop of, of martial arts action stars, he stands head and shoulders yeah, above. Yeah, I go along with that. They will have him do a kick with seven cuts, seven different <laughs> angles. Him! And it's just so that when Mark Wahlberg squares off against him or he doesn't look like a complete nut of fucking moron because he's, he's massive and he's big, but he's not a martial artist. No, and I remember this because it was a very weird kind of... The thing I remember about this show is they all had cool phones. They had these like, green thingies on their phones because they were like, whatever. But more was what a cunt Mark Wahlberg was yes. because he was absolutely fine with killing his own people. Yep. As long as he got the bad guy. Didn't care. And he oh, didn't yeah. get the bad guy. She's gone. Oh, forget it. We'll go. Like, we're meant to be behind this guy. Yeah, it was, that was shit. And it's mercifully short at 91 minutes. And John Malkovich is in it. And Ronda Rousey's in it. And Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead's in it. You will not give a fuck about anything. You'll just have your jaw agape at, did I just see, you can't count the number of cuts in basically two, three punches and a kick that are thrown at each other. It's just like, what the fuck? Getting off the ground is a four-cut thing. <laughs> what did Peter Berg do? He's done heaps of shit. Battleship. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what I was trying to remember. He's done Soul Survivor, the sniper one with Mark Warburg as well. That's right. And more successfully, he's done these more dra drama kind of disaster films like Deepwater Horizon. That's what I remember. And yeah. I think he did that one about the Boston bombing, a marathon bombing. I too. never saw that one. Yeah. So he's done a lot. Like he's got a really working relationship with Mark Wahlberg. Great, but this film is the absolute pits of that. I, it's. I would love to sit down with a whole bunch of other people and just point out. Look, watch this bit. Oh my god! <laughs> Especially yourself, so you can see what I saw because we watched it separately. And I was getting more and more angry sitting in the cinema. Not because you chose it, it was on the schedule. Yeah. But just thinking, well, fuck this fucking. And you were defending, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. These things happen <laughs> from time to time. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. right. 
My number three is Zoolander 2. Oh. Speaking of which, now, I, I don't know a person out there who doesn't like the first Zoolander. Everyone likes Suzanne. Zoolander, yeah, very right? funny. It's, it's a classic, all these sorts of things, okay? And yes, 2016 is when Zoolander 2 came out. It was actually really touted hugely. Like, for instance, uh, Ben Stiller and Wow went to the Paris <laughs> Fashion Show earlier that year and just appeared on the catwalk, and there was huge buzz. And it was like, ooh. And it was kind of cool until we saw the movie. And then... The whole idea behind this movie is that it's supposed to be that the old, you know, like hip dudes who were models come into the current world now and realize they're not cool anymore. But then the actual movie was so disappointing, it actually made a compelling case that the heroes were indeed washed up and the actors were washed up. And even like there's jokes like like Mugatu, he's in it. And it's like he even uh, says... Will Ferrell. Yeah. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like... He's even making gags. They must have known at one stage that it wasn't working because he's like, it doesn't hold up, does it? And he's just saying shit like that about, like, meta about the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? And I remember, like, halfway through the film, I was so, like, dis- just dis- disgusted. I took a screen cap set- and posted something saying, this is the shittest movie. I- I've- <laughs> it, was- it was halfway through. It was bad. So, um, yeah, Zoolander 2. Amazing- ben Stiller was once, he, he actually... He also knew because he said, everyone wants a sequel to they get one. And I'm like, no, they would have liked it if it wasn't a piece of shit. Look at Top Gun Maverick, okay? So I'm just saying. Anyway, to Zoolander 2, third worst movie I've seen in eight years. There we go. All right. I'm not going to disagree with you. I think the first Zoolander's a fine, funny film. The second one I had zero expectations for and they were pretty much met. Once again. From from memory. So the problem with going to see movies early. You don't have anyone else's like... Heads up. <laughs> yeah, except it's Zoolander 2. How good can this be? Exactly as good as you have ranked it on this list. My number three is another fucking remake slash bring to the big screen of a once old school show. And this time, this time they committed half arsedly to making it into a different genre. Fantasy Island. Oh, God. From 2020. Oh, God, I remember this. I remember you being lo- loving this. Oh, directed by Jeff Wadlow, who's another... He's a Blumhouse shill and every fucking Blumhouse film he's made has been absolute pants. This Truth or Fucking Dare, whatever it was called, God, that movie sucked. Not as hard as this film where imagine a group of contest winners go to an island where their dreams will be made true. Based on the 80s TV show, we should say. Is it 70s or even 80s? 70, yeah, 70s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Though. Like Baywatch. Which I used to watch. Yeah. Kind of. I, I didn't really watch it. Yeah. But anyway, the idea, that let's make this into a a more of a nightmarish, scary... Which I thought that's was an not interesting idea. We're, we, we're giving it a spin. We're doing something different with it. And they made it on the fucking cheap and it made money. And Michael Pena, inexplicably cast in this film, absolutely slumming it. There's also a man whose star has fallen in a big, big way. You know what I think happened? The original one had Ricardo Montalban. Yep. And the, 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 the little people person. Yep. And they just went, the plan, let's, the plan. let's smoosh them together. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it became Michael Pena. I think that's what happened. Because so, <laughs> I think Ricardo Montalban was actually Hispanic as well. So you see, full circle, baby. Right. Let's. I know. Let's save ourselves some money and just put the two roles in right. together. But make it look like we did it, like we actually mushed them together. So you know, who Maggie knows? Q's in this movie. She's too beautiful to be wasted on this piece <laughs> of shit. Michael Rooker pops up as well. Yondu, and then yes. Lucy Hale, who may well be. Wait, I want to read some of her filmography to you. She's Lucy been in. Hale. She's in quite a bit. She was in a little bit in Screen Four, Truth or Dare, the aforementioned. Mm. The Hating Game, Wayne. Do you remember that fucking piece oh, of that, shit? Oh, is that her? Yep. Fuck. This woman, um, Sister of the Traveling Pants. Oh, shit. Two. Not even, didn't even make the first film, just number two. What? So my point is, she is a talentless hack who should not be employed in anything. And she fucking stinks up this movie <laughs> so badly. She's not alone. She's got some really good support, from, including from Jimmy O. Yang, playing one of the bros in this film. Yep. And then I think his, his offsider from memory is Ryan Hansen from Veronica Mars. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, he's sort of kind of like the dude, the blonde-haired dude guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's oh, still yeah. playing the same fucking role because that's all he can do. He's got the <laughs> talent. He's got the acting range of a very small fly with a very small... <laughs> <laughs> certainly no Michael Jordan wingspan on, on his career. This film is terrible. It's not frightening. It's fucking stupid. It goes back on itself several times. It is the epitome of lazy filmmaking and it probably made, I'm not even going to look it up because it will just make me angry. Fair enough. It probably made five times its budget and Blumhouse once again made out like a fucking bandit. Did you ever oh, see... Blum, Jason Blum, sorry. Yeah, did you ever see any of the Travelling Pants movies? No. 
I think it's about girls sending each other pants. I think it's what it is. I think anyone can. I'm surprised you haven't got yourself on that list. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're children, Paul. So oh no, right. oh, <laughs> yeah. like girls. Okay, not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought maybe it was women. <laughs> then if women, absolutely. Yes. Um, okay, nice one. Um, righto. Well, my number two, ladies and gentlemen, was a film that look. It could have worked. It could have worked if it wasn't this film. It was the Happy Time Murders. Oh. Do you remember this? You get a lot of love for this choice, for sure. So, now, Brian Henson, okay? I guess he's Jim Henson's son. Son, I think, yep. And, you know, we all love the Muppets, if you're our age, you know, we, it's time to wait, like the music, Haven't whatever. they come back again? Isn't, isn't fucking Kevin Smith championing another show with them? Maybe, maybe. Oh, look, that's got to work better than this, because this here, and again, this should have worked, okay? Maybe, I don't know. Well, it's I've a spin. Never, it's, a, yeah. it's a spin. They made it raunchy, okay? So there's puppets, it's a what? world. No! There's a lot of graphic humor aimed at immature adults, so it should be good <laughs> for me, right? Um, what the, what the hell? Yeah. Are you, no! No! Fuck off. No! Uh, but, like, no one beyond, no one involved just thought beyond, well, it would be funny to see puppets coming and you know, doing sexy jokes. And as a result, there's nothing more to this film. Mm. And in, in much the same as Cool World, tried to make toons and humans coexist. Sexy. And, and it fucked up. This is much the same. And Joel McHale, your buddy is in it, man. Um, community boy. And he's just like, he's staring at Papa's, Puppet's vagina in a scene from, like, they're doing the basic instinct scene mm-hmm. with the crossing legs. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's just... I don't know. I, I I was more and more horrified as it went on. It's not a good film. It was, and it just universally panned. So yeah, a complete bag of shit. Uh, happy time murders my ass. <laughs> Fair enough. I cannot argue with you on that one. It doesn't make my list, but yeah, it was a it was a very poor and disappointing film. Uh, not as poor, nor as disappointing as my number two film, another Blumhouse film. The, <laughs> the last one on my list. Thank fucking god. Back in 2018, David Gordon Green combined with Danny McBride and they wrote a reboot of the Halloween, reboot, reboot, requel, sort of follow-up to the original Halloween film from 1978. So 40 years later and it followed Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, imagining that everything else after the first one had been jettisoned Mm -hmm. and starting again, basically, virtually starting again. And she's had a daughter and that woman's had a daughter. So it's three generations of destroyed women. When Michael escapes, who would now, I guess, be somewhere around about 60 years old or 65 years old. You know, I once destroyed three generations of women. (laughs) Okay, go ahead, please. Go ahead. At the same time. (laughs) And that film was good. I really enjoyed myself. I know it has some detractors and some people out there hate that film. But dear God, what was to come after that? With the sequel, Halloween Kills, mm. which was just gore for gore's sake. And so, therefore, it got got passed. Is that the last one? No. The no, last no. one is Halloween Ends from last year. And that's your number two? That is my number two. One of the greatest missteps, mm. I think, in horror movie history. This film is an absolute wet fart of, of what's meant to be a finale for Michael Myers. This horror icon who has... For better or worse, because most of the Halloween films after number two are pretty fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. Three has its lovers, but after that it gets really, really wishy-washy. There's a couple of bright spots in there. Halloween H2O is not bad. So yeah, look, Um, it has terrorized slash thrilled cinema goers and horror film fans for 40 fucking years, 45, 44 years by the time this film rocks around. And what do they do? They spend most of the film with Michael sitting in a sewer. Ah, oh, yeah, I remember now because I saw. While some other weird young dude becomes this psycho murderer and his protege, what the fuck are we doing? Exactly. And why? H- how do you make Michael Myers not scary? How do you not make the big battle between him and Laurie the absolute centerpiece of what should have been like this thirty-minute running battle through all of Haddonfield, where people get in the way and getting absolutely off as they come to her aid? That's the way you close out fucking Halloween. You don't do it with this piece of shit 90-second fight. Oh, my God. 
everything about this movie. It's not clever. It's not funny. There's barely any fucking decent kills in the movie as well because they did them all in the second film, which is like, let's just kill as many fucking people as we can. <laughs> and then they made him into this supernatural being who somehow can transfer his evil to other people when they promised in the first one. He's just a man, a very strong man. A ridiculous man. Yeah, but he's just a man. And then it's went, nah, fuck it. We don't know what we're doing. And now the word is, the earliest word is, they are rebooting The Exorcist. Not content with ruining the fuck out of Michael Myers, they're now turning their attention to William Peter Blatty's Exorcist. And the first test screenings came out and they were so bad. So, And test screenings normally, they're, they're you know, they're, oh, we're going we're to work on some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently this is reprehensible. Like anyone who's been to see it has just come out saying, I can't believe how shit that film was. Who did it, you know? Same guys, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. First of all, I always mix up David Gordon Green and Brian Austin Green, the guy from... <laughs> Not Megan Fox's ex. Yeah. Uh, um, but secondly, no, David Gordon Green directed your favourite film of all time, Your Highness. Wow. He's this indie filmmaker who suddenly got a bit of a name for himself and a budget and now he's ruining horror franchises forever. Stop it, you motherfucker. Stop fucking with our shit. See, I always thought the fact that they tried to sell what's his Michael Knight as a, as a man, despite having his head fucking almost lopped off and shit like that each whatever time, was already ridiculous. Well, so we're jumped, making him. Well, that remember the great end to the first one, which where it should have stopped. You know that they yeah, I agree. They, they created this kill trap for him, and they lured him down there, and then it's gotcha, and then the whole place burns down. That had been the end of it. The women win, the Strodes win. Yep, brilliant. Would but no, fun. no, no, no. We had to continue on with the shit that we got. Halloween Ends is the second worst film I have had the misfortune of seeing and I will never, ever watch anything beyond that first one ever again. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to stop it at the end of Halloween 2018 before the credits roll and I don't get to hear any noises of him coming out of that fucking basement. Who are you kidding? If they make a new Michael Myers show, your yeah, ass is but going. not these guys. If David Gordon Green goes over here again, I'm never watching it. Wow, this is huge. All right, let's see how it goes. Yeah. All right, Wayne, give us a quick recount or a recap, and then what is your worst film we've watched in the history of the show? Sure. Eight is Six Underground. Seven was Hobbs and Shaw. Six, Coming to America. Five, Holmes and Watson. Four, The Snowman. Three, Zoolander. Two, Two, The Happy Time Murders. And without a doubt, with a bullet, this uh, this was so bad it made me angry. Uh, my number one is a film called The Circle, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's a 2017 film. Now, I barely this, remember this movie. Oh man, it's the only, I, I I had to look up the things the, you know the actual synopsis because I forgot exactly what it was about. But I never forgot how much I hated it. Uh, listen to the cast: Emma Watson. For me to hate an Emma Watson film, you're doing quite you know sorry. <laughs> Something's gone wrong. Exactly. Tom Hanks, John Boyega, Karen Gillan, Patton Oswalt, and Bill Paxton. So this film is essentially a knock on Apple. Okay, because yep. what it is, it's it's set in this very camp- Apple-looking campus, and and Tom Hanks is kind of Steve Jobsy, but the whole idea is he comes up with this, you know, he's obviously a tech giant, and he comes up with this camera, which is like a, looks like a button, and they they're like so cheap that you can just pick one up and throw it, and it sticks on things, and you and it broadcasts whatever it sees around the world, and the idea here is that Emma Watson is this kind of, she gets a job here. And she becomes very popular in the community. And she starts to buy into this idea that all secrets are bad. We should just expose everyone <laughs> doing every- For some reason, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, okay. Especially women, right? Like, also, can I see your titties there? No, all right? <laughs> so it just doesn't make any sense. Believe me, why not ask that <laughs> question? A lot. <laughs> in my mind. So, um, yeah, and, and the movie itself devolves into not only you going, what the fuck is she thinking? You then get, like... There's a, a very sort of like kind of was Wozniak and Steve Jobs kind of vibe to the two lead bad guy characters. And in some weird bullshit way, she sort of turns the tables on them in the end and it's like, oh, we're fucked. And, uh. But it is the most unbelievably shit, stupid, doesn't make sense, and no one would react like this thing ever. Like if you watch it, just watch it, but by, you'll be a mouth agape like me. I'll say they're going, kiss my entire ass. This is bullshit. It's done. It's been done way better in things like Black Mirror, um, and mm, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally. I actually can't believe how bad this film is. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen. There we go. The there Circle, go. Wayne's worst film in eight years. I feel like you might remember mine if you watched it. I'm not sure. I may please, have scared please. you off it. So from eight to two, my eight Fast and Furious: Colin Hobbs and Shaw. 
Seven, Baywatch. Six, Mother. Five, The Gallows. Four, Mile. Twenty-two, three, Fantasy Island. Two, <laughs> Halloween Ends. And my number one film, likewise, with a bullet, no question. Anytime you ask me the worst film that you've seen, maybe ever. Okay. It's the fifteen seventeen to Paris, directed by Clint oh, I, Eastwood. I, you, you did scare me of it. Now tell us about this, Paul, because I remember hearing about it, but I want to hear you talk about it. This film follows. Three American soldiers who, on August 21st, 2015, effectively thwarted a terrorist bombing on a train that was bound for Paris. Hence the title of the film. Right. That single act of heroism, which they did do, no problem, is enough for about three minutes of film. Mm. The the big gimmick with this is the actual people who did it. Yeah, the three guys are acting as themselves. So, straight away... The acting quality is fucking awful. Right. Which puts you offside. Worse still, though, is the first 60 minutes of this movie are them traveling through Europe on their holiday. It's like a vlog. It's like the annoying fucking Facebook feed from someone who doesn't understand that you don't give a fuck about everything they're doing on their trip, which is what they're filming, everything. Oh, my God. And, like, again, in a better film where there was a bit more meat to the substance of what was going on, the terrorist attack would be an hour of the film and there'd be 15, 20 minutes at the start to set them up as characters yep, yep. and then and and show their relationship and their bond and then they'd be trapped on this train for 60 minutes and then, you know, kind of United 93 material, let's roll. And they, yep. and they go out there and they stop this guy. No, it's just this instinctual moment where the guy sees him and someone else runs out and they boom, knock him down and that's it. That's it. That's it. And they built a whole fucking film around this. And somehow they got Clint Eastwood to direct it. Clint Eastwood, he sat at home. At this stage, he's probably, what, five years ago. So he's probably 90 years old. Mm -hmm. He sat at home and went, this is awesome. I just made $10 million to basically tell those guys, film some more of yourselves walking around Europe. And those guys go, this is great. We've got a fucking paid holiday. This is the best shit ever. Yeah. Look, they probably deserve it. But here's the thing, right? I've heard that Clint Eastwood, um, he says most people are surprised at this. But he is really not that involved in the editing process. He says his actual um, his actual his proper like procedure is he will get all the dailies, put them all together, fine. He'll go to his editor and say, okay, today, editor, here's what we're doing. I want you to make this happen, this happen, this happen, this happen. Here's a couple of notes on that scene there. In this part of the script, I want you to feel this, this, and this. I'll, I'll be back in fucking eight hours. He then goes and plays 12, uh, 18... Holes of golf. Golf. Right? Yeah. With some other directors. Comes back. What's it look like? Yeah, that's not bad. All right, listen, what I want... And he just does like three or four... I mean, I I get it. He's a legend of cinema. And and look, it's worked for him in the past. Yeah, and he's made some really good films. You know, he's an Academy Award winning director. But this film is him absolutely fucking phoning it in. Now... And the script, if there was a script beyond any parts that are in the train, I'd be stunned. It's fucking awful. Yeah. It's the, are we done with him now? Like, as a result, has he done anything else? Oh, yeah. He, he had a film last year, Cry Macho or some shit, Clint Eastwood. Oh, I wonder how that was. I think maybe he's, I don't know if he's officially retired from directing, but give the man a break. He's in his 90s. No, and no, he's doing should well. Should we all have even remote faculties to get close to be able to do something like this? To be able to give notes and then fuck off and play golf for eight yeah, holes? Which, I do too. Yeah. So I don't, I don't blame him per se for this. I blame the producers behind. And I mean, maybe I do because Clint Eastwood, you know, is notoriously kind of, you know, fucking right wing and, you know, rah, 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 America, guns, yay. Mm. Um, And that's what this film is. It's just a fucking jingoistic bloody advertisement for we're the best because we're Americans. Fuck yeah. 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 I mean, fucking blows. um, Yeah. Well, like I said, if you're wrapping an entire, like, you know, one and a half hour movie around a 15 minute action scene, it's not even 15 minutes, Wayne. Three minutes. Not even. It's honestly three fucking minutes. It is unbelievable. Ridiculous. And then the real story is, I think there was a French dude who helped as well. Barely gets a milk in. Uh-huh. Barely gets a fucking mention because that gets in the way of the message. Absolutely. Join the <laughs> army. Yeah. Here's what you can do as well. Fucking idiots that would follow that up. <laughs> All right, Wayne, give us any dishonorable mentions, including your nine and ten that uh, you didn't get to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Wonder Woman 84. Mm-hmm. Yeah, piece of shit. Piece of shit. Hellboy. Remember Hellboy? Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was a piece of shit. Um, and I had uh, The Magnificent Seven. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, and just put that on there to piss me off. Well, I thought you would have Independence Day. So you could make that joke, but you didn't do that. So there you are. It's on my dishonorable mentions, Independence Day Retergence. Please go on. Uh, keeping up with the Joneses, Jeepers Creepers, Colon Reborn. 
Cats. <laughs> oh, shit. How did I forget about Cats? Resident Evil, the final chapter. Robin fucking Hood. Great show. Fifty Shades Freed. The Hustle. There's a fucking unfunny film with fucking Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Two more vacuously bigger actors who are capable of sucking the life out of a room I do not know. And then the Point Break remake in 2016. Ah. Uh. Poor Point Break remake. I was wondering if it would be good. Then I found out. <laughs> then you found out the hard way. That's Alice. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of The Countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand in a segment that is we're currently calling Listener Feedback. What up? Listener Listen. Feedback! Uh. <laughs> Kicking this off with your cousin who still can't get the fuck over this. Uh, here's number one, Venom, season one. He's number two, Fifty Shades of Grey, and he sees I'll let you pick Paul. And number three, <laughs> Star Wars Season 8, The Last Jedi. I only just got that. Because I remember that, I was like, what do you think season? Oh, he's giving Paul shit. Nice work. Yes, and uh, here's my response to you, Ash. Eat my ass! <laughs> Eat all the asses! Keep man. it up, mate. All good. <laughs> Timothy Williams said number three, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. Number two, Independence Day Resurgence. And number one, Rise of Skywalker. Man, talk about gross. Almost on my list, true. Chris Sutherland's had The Last Jedi, Hellboy, as you just mentioned, and Wonder Woman 84. Matt Evans had Black Christmas. God, that movie fucking sucked as a wow. remake. Number two, Cinderella from 2021. I haven't seen it. And somewhere along the line, a while back, I mentioned Jesus Rolls, or at least the sequel to The Big Lebowski from 2019 with just the, the what's his name, John Turturro character. Really? Yeah. I'd never watched it. I heard it was so bad. Matt has just confirmed that. Uh-huh. Wow. Mark Harris, number three, Rise of Skywalker. Number two, controversially, not that I've seen it, Call Me By Your Name. Wow. Number one, Mother. <laughs> very nice, very nice. David Powell, host, co-host, I should say, of the We Watch The Thing podcast and top-level patron of the show said, Me, You Madness at number three, just face meltingly terrible, morally bankrupt and should be deleted from existence. I've not heard of it. Ooh, okay. Uh, me either. Number two, Rocky Horror Picture Show, colon, let's do the time warp again. Talent vacuum Kenny Ortega takes a steaming dump on a piece of cultural history <laughs> while simultaneously embracing a stroke-stricken Tim Curry. Everything about this shallow, woke production was misjudged and utterly horrendous. Really? I've never seen that one either. I have seen his number one. Muck. Incomprehensibly awful horror from a director that I'm convinced needs to be on a potential sex offender watch list. That's a really good call. Paul, this is on your list because you've forgotten about it. No, it's because I limited it to not piece of shit direct horror films because otherwise, yes, number one with an absolute bullet. Muck. Muck. Well played, David. Michael Hill. Here's some controversy. The Last Jedi. Whoa. Batman versus Superman. No, not compared to this stuff. And the Suicide Squad, which then David Powell said, I'm assuming you mean Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. Yeah, the- and he wrote, Dealer's Choice. They're, they're both trash. Ooh. Whoa. Bitch, please. Hey, Damn. I can't shit on the Suicide Squad. That film was fucking awesome. Truce. <laughs> uh, Chris Yeni, patron of the show, said, so many asses. Number three, G.I. Joe, Origins, Colin, Snake Eyes. I only heard about it and it's then so avoided bad. it. So bad. Number two, Gotti. John DeVolta, I think. Wow. Number one with a bullet, The Lion King. The CGI animals took away any soul that Simba at all had. Yeah. Daniel Lowe had Artemis Fowl, that Disney Plus piece of mess. Number two, Willy's Wonderland. Remember that Nicolas Cage film? Sadly, yes. And number one, the 1517 to Paris. Basically a vlog with no plot. Well said, sir. Our mate, Jared DeMeza. Said number three, Jeepers Creepers 3. Oh, yes. Number mm-hmm. two, Castle Freak from 2019. And number one, The Fucking Requin, which I think is a shark film. With Alicia Silverstone. Shit. Jonathan Lamb had number three, Army of the Dead. Woo. Number two, Things Heard and Seen. That film sucked. And number one, Wayne, you'll be very pleased, Coming to America. Yeah. Last for you to wrap it up then, Chef Ben Randall had number three, The Least Jedi. Number two, Black Adam. Number one, The Least Jedi. Ooh, that's why he hated those. <laughs> he did. George Conaway had Halloween th- Ends at number three, Not Soon Enough. Am I right? Number two, The Matrix Resurrections. 1.001 Jurassic World Dominion and number one, Morbius, it's Morbin time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, The Matrix, I should have put that in there. That sucked dick. That sucked. It was disappointing. That one, that, that would be right up there by most disappointing. Which it shouldn't be because the third film was so fucking shit. But anyway. Yeah. And the last one here, last word goes to Julio for the Contrarians will also be appearing on live stream for the Cure. Just a reminder about that one. Do check us out this coming weekend. It'll be on the Facebook listening community and uh, yeah, you'll be able to find it there and put something up on Twitter as well. Johnson knows number three, the Batman. Whoa, 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 whoa. Even I've got, I've only seen that one one and a half times, but 
Come on. I thought you'd be really upset about that one. I thought you'd be like, this is the dumbest shit anyone ever said maybe in the history of, and I, I don't think had I'm a voice this week. Yeah, maybe. maybe a thing. Yeah. Number two, Midsommar, which was my favorite film of the year it came out. So Julio is firing shots everywhere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then he redeemed himself with number one, Halloween ends. And that is a great note to end this particular countdown on the worst eight films in the history of the show. Eight All the Asses Part 3. I am so sorry for my voice, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for putting up with me. We have coughed and spluttered and sneezed our way Paul's through. edited all of it out. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> if you didn't get too bored doing so. <laughs> Next week for 8 All the Asters Part 4, we hope to be back to our full self to count down the very best eight films that we have on the show. Much sunnier. The positive one to wind up this month celebration of eight years of the countdown, which I want to thank you all for being a part of. You, Without you, there is literally no show because we just be talking to ourselves into a vacuum or a void. We and, love you. And only getting two downloads uh, an episode probably would end the show, let's be honest. So, yeah, we absolutely do love you. Thank you so much for your support of the show, whether you be a patron, whether you have shared a tweet, whether you've responded on the Facebook listening community or you've just been involved in the discussions there. You are all what make this happen. So, uh, yeah, you can let us get in touch with us, Wayne. How? You can send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at, e- at gmail.com. Uh, search for our socials and visit our website, well thecountdownpodcast.com. Com. Well done. It was not like I had to edit around that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let, let these people away from my voice now, Paul. That is it for us today. Check us out on Podbean where we host the show and, yeah, Twitter, the Countdown PC. That's enough. Thank you so much for joining us and for, yeah, putting up with our voices. We will catch you, well, very shortly. My name is Paul. My name's Wayne. And this has been the Soundboard. <laughs> That's for all the bugs out there in the world that are infecting people. We'll catch you for live stream for The Cure. Till then, take care. See ya. I got a good side, I got a bad side, I got a monkey on my back and I call it pride. I got a mean streak, I don't care to hide and I will fight for my cause even if I die. I got one heart, I got two fists, I'm a dirty fighter and a strategist. So yo, in two minutes I will clean out your men and I'll clean out your mouth like a toothpick. Hey yo, something wicked this way you come, sitting on two wheels, carrying two guns in a bulletproof suit, looking like a champion, Carly Briggs done the black suit, my man, yeah. I am the ever-